0: man is is our god great is our god great Mm -hmm. it's wonderful to worship with you i i really appreciate being able to to be in the audience and just listen and and sing along uh, with you my my family and my friends i i appreciate you know kat and rebecca their faithfulness uh you know just every single week uh leading us in worship uh, we're, we're in the last book of the Old Testament. And, and, and as I was coming up here, of course, we, I mentioned this last week, but, you know, um, Terry is always, you know, very, very good at reminding me, you know, those, those little quirks, if you will, of the, you know, certain things that stand out. And, and of course, we're in the, the Italian book in the Bible, right, the book of Malachi, if you will. Um, depending upon how you pronounce it, you know, where you come from. We're, we're going to be reading verses 6 through uh, 13, just to uh, kind of begin here tonight. We, we got through a little bit of the introduction and, and the beginning of this amazing book, only four chapters, uh, but, it, but it's one of those books that uh, really uh, is a, a transition now to the New Testament. It, it's the segue book to the book of Matthew, And in terms of understanding what it is like during the time of Malachi, while he is teaching uh, the people of Israel, uh, they have been in the land now after being exiled for 70 years in Babylon. Uh, These are what are called the post-exilic books. And now Malachi is coming to them again and trying to get them motivated in terms of what is happening because they've become complacent, just like many of us are. It says there in chapter 1, verse 6, a a son honors his father, and a slave his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is the fear of me? Says Yahweh of hosts to you, O, O priest who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar, but you say, how have we defiled you And in that you say the table of Yahweh is to be despised? But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? When you present the lame and the sick, is it not evil? Uh, Please bring it near to your governor. Would he
1: accept you? Or or would he lift up your faith? Says Yahweh of hosts. But now entreat God's
0: favor that he may be gracious to us. With this thing which is in your hand, will he lift up any of your faces, says Yahweh of hosts. Oh, that there were one among you who would shut the gate, that you may, might not light a fire on my altar in vain. I have no delight in you, says Yahweh of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense is going to be presented to my name, as well as a grain offering that is clean. For my name will be great among the nations, says Yahweh of hosts. But you are profaning it in that you say, The table of the Lord is defiled, and as for its fruits, its food is to be despised. Verse 13. You also say, Behold, how tiresome it is. And you disdainfully sniff at it, says Yahweh of hosts. And you bring what was taken by robbery and what was lame or sick. So you bring the offering should I accept that from your hand says Yahweh and so father tonight as we approach this most amazing book this this majestic book that it yes it's very short but but it really packs power just as all the minor prophets have been speaking to us over the last couple of months lord i ask that you speak powerfully through Micah to us tonight Lord, I thank you so much for your word that it, that truly transcends time. We can be reading this and, and even though it was written some twenty five hundred years ago and yet it's still just as relevant to us today as we say many of the same things that they were saying back then. Lord, please forgive us when we come to you on our terms rather than your term, please forgive us when when your things, your, your you know, desires, your will becomes tiresome to us or boring or please forgive us. Help us to have that fervent desire for you tonight, Lord. I thank you for these, my friends and my family that come from long days of work and, and yet are still here, that are here now. Lord, I ask that you multiply their time tonight. Lord, I thank you for those that are online. I ask you to bless them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Last week we learned that Malachi means my messenger. This is going to be very, very important as we go through, especially at the end of chapter 2, beginning of of chapter 3. We're actually going to see the meaning of his name multiple times as we uh, go through the book of, of Malachi, just like with any of the other Uh, minor prophets. The definition of their name is extremely important to uh, the message. Uh, Malachi, as we learned last week, starts out with these sarcastic uh, questions, if you will. He starts there in chapter 1, verse 2, I have loved you, says Yahweh, but you say, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares Yahweh, yet I have loved uh, Jacob, but I have hated Uh, Esau. A lot of these same concepts are are even translated into the New Testament in the book of Romans and also in the book of of Hebrews. A lot of these same verses are quoted in terms of who uh, Jesus Christ is in terms of his love for not only uh, Israel, but also the world as well. And then we come to verse six here. And again, there's this, this question, the these uh, questions that God is asking the people of Israel. And specifically, if you look here in verse 6, he is specifically uh, addressing a certain group
1: of Israelites. Who is he addressing in verse 6? It says there
0: very clearly, it's the priest, right? Right? Oh, priest who despise my name. These were the religious leaders of the day. And what were they doing? Uh, What what kind of an example is it for a religious leader to despise the one that they're supposed to be worshiping, loving, being an example to the people, right? And then, of course, what happens if, if the priest or, or the religious leader isn't a good example, despises the name of, of God? What is the, you know, now the response of the people? And this is exactly what Malachi is addressing. The, the, these priests that have defiled and transformed the message of God and twisted the words. Of the Old Testament, and Malachi, being named my messenger, comes to the people here at the very end of the Old Testament. I, I mentioned last week that there's going to be this gap that is now between Malachi and uh, uh, Matthew. W- what happens when you purposely, or maybe even unconsciously, or 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 in some way, break a friendship with someone else? Where, where you, you tell them, I don't want to be around you anymore. Where, where, where you tell someone, I, I, I you know,
1: it was the wording here, despise you. Or, or I hate the very words that you speak. What does it do to a relationship? Uh, are you offended? I hope you are. It, it, it's one
0: of those phrases that the Bible brings out very, very clearly, the people of Israel were tired of God. They're saying, you're, you're, you're tiresome, God. You're boring. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't want to go to the temple anymore. Oh, well, thank you for saving us so many times in the past, but you know, I, I, I can be boring. Did you know that? But God isn't. God isn't. The Word of God is not. The the, the Word of God is exciting. The the Word of God is is powerful. It transforms lives. And if you just ask the Holy Spirit, Lord, Lord, please come into my life and and just show me your Word. He guarantees that He will give you wisdom in it. This is what Malachi is doing through the, the this question and answer uh, sermon, if you will, that he he's doing. He he says this title for God over and over and over again. And and like I said when we first started the the minor prophets, we've been going through this uh, translation of the Bible called the the Legacy Standard Bible. We're just going to be using it for these twelve books. This will be the last of the the books that we use it for. And the reason why is because the name of God is actually spelled out Yahweh. It's spelled out over and over and over and over again. And you see the repetition in this translation. It, you see the, the purpose and the intimacy of God giving his name to only one group of people. The intimacy of God with the Israelites. And this title that is used, have we seen over and over literally in every single verse that we read, Yahweh of hosts, the one who is in charge of all the armies of heaven. And yet you despise me. Would you ever do that to a important human figure, like a governor, as he says here? By the way, you know why he doesn't say king? Because Israel doesn't have a king during this time. In fact, when they come back uh, right in the book of Uh, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, when they come back to the land, there is no more kings. They now have governors, remember? Zerubbabel is the, the governor of the land during the time of Haggai and Zechariah, Ezra, and Nehemiah, and now they have a governor in the land. And so how would you approach someone that is a political figure? you were to go to uh, Mayor Goh's office, how would you dress? How would you approach her? How would you treat her? Or, you know, governor of a state or, or even the president of the United States. That
1: There's a, a, a respect for the office, right? And what, what is he saying in these verses here?
0: You'll come to them and you'll, you'll dress your best. You'll, you'll give them your best. You'll, you'll, you know, talk to them with respect. And when you come to me, the God of the entire universe, Yahweh of hosts, the one who's in charge of all the armies of heaven, you despise me and think I'm boring. How do we treat God? A perfect example, by the way, is your spouse. Do you know that sometimes we treat strangers better than our spouse? Yeah, I mean, you know, just keep a track of it, you know, where where we actually, you know, maybe angry with our spouse or or arguing with our spouse and then someone comes along that we don't even know and we have put on that smile, right? And yet we treat other people better than the ones that we're supposed to be the most intimate with. God, Yahweh, the one who is in charge of the entire universe is coming to them with intimacy and saying i want you to come close to me look at what it says there starting there in verse 8 but when you present the blind for sacrifice is it not evil when you present the lame and the sick is it not a evil please bring it near your governor would he accept you or would he lift up your face? The, the the sign here is, you know, as they're presenting their, you know, uh, a gift to the governor or their gift to a person who is in a, 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 a power or authority, they come and they're, they're humbling themselves, they're bowing down, they're giving their gift, and it's only when their gift is acceptable to the governor or the person in authority that he calls them and has them lift up their face and actually look on the governor's face. You see, there's respect that is being shown here to a greater degree to a human than to the God of the universe, right? Now, I, I warned you last week about this. You know, we're, we're touching these subjects that uh, are very, very convicting, extremely convicting, because they touch our very lives in a personal way, our pocketbooks. They, they, they touch our intimacy with the God of the universe. They, they touch our hypocrisy as Christians, right? They beg us to ask these hard questions. And even though it was written 2,500 years ago, is it still just as relevant today? Can we come to God in our own terms rather than God's terms? Because what are they doing? we see it here in verse 9. But now entreat God's favor that he may be gracious to us with this thing which is from your hand. Will he lift up any of your faces, says Yahweh of hosts. Oh, that there are one among you who would shut the gates that you might not light a fire on my altar in vain. You see what they were doing. They were going through the religious services, the religious acts, if you will, and it was vanity. It was completely worthless. They were just going through the motions. the tradition. Right, we've always done it this way, God. Rather than having that intimacy with God that is fresh and new every day single day and 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 we 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 blame other denominations we we blame other religions we we blame whether it's the catholics or or various other people that worship god in a certain way but are we just as guilty too? when we come to church out of habit we we you know and there's nothing wrong with this. We, we sit in the same place, talk to the same people, do the same things, and then go about our rest of our week, right?
1: Rather than being changed, being different than when we came in. It, it's
0: one of those things, as we see here, in terms of what Malachi is promoting to the people, how do you approach
1: God? The one who made you, the one who died for you, the one who loves you. How do you treat him? Do you treat him better than a person or do you treat him worse? And only you can answer that question. Only you. I can't answer it for you. I can't look into your heart. The
0: Conviction, of course, you know, having to study for all of this, we, we
1: all can fall into these traps.
0: This hypocrisy, this tradition, this religion, if you will. It says there in verse 11, For from the rising of the sun, even to its setting, my name will be great among the, this word nations here means Gentiles, everyone else that's not a Jew. The the other nations are going to treat me with respect and my own chosen people won't. The the nations that hear about me, and remember, this is a segue book to Matthew. Now, Jesus, the Messiah, coming to the earth, not just for the Israelites, but for the world. They're going to be the ones that show respect toward me, while my own people don't. My own chosen people of Israel that I rescued over and over and over again are not going to treat me with honor. And the rest of the nations will. This word nations being Gentiles. And in every place, incense is going to be presented to my name as well as a grain offering that is what? Clean. They're actually going to come to me with respect. Remember, the, the people of Israel, they brought the worthless things. They
1: brought the lame and the blind, those things that wouldn't benefit them. So let's give it to God. Right? It
0: It's the, you know, convenience, if you will, rather than the sacrifice. It's that, you know, and we'll talk about this more when we get to chapter three. It's the leftovers in our wallet. It's the change, if you will. It's not just monetary. It's our time, too. It's our respect. It's our relationship with God. Those things that we, you know, present to God
1: as if they were the refuse, the things that we ourselves despise, and yet we say, oh, God, you got to accept it. God, you have to take it. And what is God saying? No, I'm not going to accept it. There's no way I would accept
0: this. Look at what it says there in verse 12. Uh, but you are profaning it in that you say the table of the Lord is defiled and as for its fruit, its food is to be despised. You also say, behold, how tiresome it is. How, how boring it is to go to church, right? How, how boring those, you know, and of course, they only had the old testament back then those 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 old testament studies or 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 those old sermons or or those old things they're boring and i i i can remember when i would sit in church and think you know this is pretty boring but the bible is not boring yes a, a person may be boring but the bible is not boring The privilege that we have to know that we have a Holy Spirit that makes
1: every single aspect of our Christian life exciting and new. Right? Look at what it says there in the rest of that verse. You disdainfully
0: sniff at it says Yahweh of hosts, and you bring what is taken by robbery and what is lame or sick, so you bring the offering. Should I accept that from your hand, says Yahweh? Would, would you do this to anyone else? Would you give this to anyone else? Would you you know, dress this way or respect or talk this way to someone else? Now, I I understand, you know, thank God that God is forgiving. Thank God that God always accepts us. Yes, 100%.
1: But there's always a standard in approaching God. Because he is the God of the universe.
0: God who made us. He's the one who gives us every single one of our breath.
1: And so many things that we take for granted in this world. Rather than saying being grateful or,
0: or saying thank you, we take so many things for granted. Look at what it says there at the very last verse, verse 14. But cursed be the swindler who has a male in his flock and vows it, but sacrifices a blemished animal to the Lord, for I am a great king. Says Yahweh of hosts. My name is to be feared among the nations. Does God already own everything?
1: Yeah, he owns everything. But does he want our hearts and our best? This vow that he's talking about
0: here—you know—it's—it's this—you know sleight of hand, if you will, that saying I'm going to give this one thing that's supposed to be, you know, nice, good, valuable, and yet giving what is not. It, it, it's those—you know—foxhole um, vows, if you will. God saves you from something that you're going—a dire event that is taking place in your life and, and God saves you and you promise to, you know, whatever it is, you know, go to church or, 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 or give a certain amount or, 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 you know, study your Bible more, whatever it is.
1: And yet we forget. Do all of us do that, by the way? Every single one of us does. We forget our promises to God. We swindle God. We, we, we steal from God, right? who is the great king of the
0: entire universe, who is the one who is in charge of all the hosts of heaven? Yahweh, the one who gave his intimacy to the people of Israel and also to us as well. It continues on there in chapter 2, again, addressing the priests. These are the religious leaders. These are the ones that are supposed to know the Bible. These are the ones that are supposed to know the Old Testament. These are the ones that are supposed to know the prophets and they are purposely ignoring them. And now this commandment is for you, O priests. If you do not listen, if you do not set it upon your heart to give honor to my name, says Yahweh of hosts, then I will send the curse upon you. And I will curse your blessings, and indeed I have cursed them already because you are not setting it upon your heart. Is there a high standard? for being a religious leader or a leader in the temple or the church. They're a high standard. Yeah. he he He's judging them first. They're supposed to be the examples, right? And the people are going to be judged too, but he's starting with the house of God. He's starting with those that are supposed to know better, right? Now, now this is... Ex- Extremely graphic. You really have to picture this, okay? This is in an older, I guess you could say, G version, PG version. I guess you could say, uh, verse three here. But if you really imagine this, this is extremely gross. Extremely gross. Look at what it says there in verse three. This is what it is like to give to God something that is your leftovers. this is what it is like when you give something to God, whether whether it's you know your the the things that we would normally not even give to another person. This is what it's like. Look at the imagery in verse 3. Behold, I'm going to rebuke your seed, and I will spread refuse on your faces, the refuse of your feasts, and you will be taken away with it. Do you know what he's saying? those, Those elaborate feasts that you have, trying, you know, having honor for earthly authority, you're going you're gonna to take those things, you're going to eat them, you're going to go to the bathroom, you're going to take the waste from that bathroom, and you're going to put it on your
1: face. That's what he's saying. That, that's what it is like when you bring the refuse to God, the leftover. That, that, that you know, and
0: we have other words for it, if you will. This is, of course, you know, a a church
1: service. We're not going to go there, but, you know, the dung on the faith. The the feces on the faith. It's horrific, right? This is what it is like to approach God with the worthless things or the refuge.
0: And that's exactly what they're doing. They will feast then the
1: feces will be spread on their faces. And this is what God feels like, by the way. When we just give the refuse of our life. And we do it so frequently, by the way. We do it so often. I, I,
0: I'll prioritize this rather than God. I, I, I'll prioritize this thing that I like to do rather than God. We give him the leftover of our time. We give him the leftover in our wallet. We give him the leftover of our honor. We give him the leftover of the various things that we have. And What is God saying about that? It's as if you're taking that dung that you already celebrated, and then you put it on your face before me. Verse 4, we'll read verse 4 through 7 here. Then you will know that I have sent this commandment to you, that my commandment may continue with Levi these are the priests this is what the the tribe from which all the priests would come from it says Yahweh of hosts my covenant with him was one of life and peace and I, I gave them to him as something to be feared so he feared me and stood in awe of, of my name the priestly tribe started out amazing they loved and respected god but what is it like now verse 6 instruction of truth was in his mouth, and unrighteousness was not found on his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness, and he turned many back from iniquity. For the lips of a priest should keep knowledge, and men should keep or seek instruction from his mouth. For he is the... What's that word? Remember Malachi's name. My messenger. He is the messenger of who? God himself. Yahweh. The one who is in charge of all the armies of heaven. The priest or the pastor or the person who is the leader of the congregation is supposed to bring the words of God, not the words of men.
1: He's supposed to be the example, right? And what have they done instead? Despised God.
0: Verse 8 describes it again in very uh, graphic detail. But as for you, you have turned aside from the way. You have caused many to stumble by the instruction. You have corrupted the covenant of Levi, says Yahweh of hosts. So I also have made you despised and low before all the people, just as you are not keeping my ways, but are showing partiality in the instruction. When the priests don't respect God, what happens for the office and the people that are priests? They too are, they've they've lost their respect, right? The the people know that they're supposed to be, you know, a a higher standard. And and if they're not seeking God, why why should I even seek God? It doesn't matter, right? God is judging them. You see, when we despise God, God causes us to be despised among even uh, uh, the peoples or even those that are outside the church. You see it all the time, by the way right
1: oh oh, that you know religious leader or that that person right why because they're not respecting god they're not being the example god is judging his house first by the way
0: starting there in verse 10 it says but we or do we not all have one father? Has, has not one God created us? Uh, we, or Why do we deal treacherously each against his brother so as to profane the covenant of our fathers? Judah has dealt treacherously, and an abomination has been done in Israel and in Jerusalem, for Judah has profaned the sanctuary of Yahweh, which he loves and has married the daughter of a foreign god. He is now addressing the uh political leaders if you will. You see the the Levites that were the religious leaders, uh those from the line of Aaron, these were the priests, and now the 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 tribe of Judah, which is the 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 kingly line, the one from which David comes, the one from which all the other uh uh political leaders or kings or governors is coming uh from, he is addressing them. And what have they done? They've sought after other gods. They've literally committed infidelity against the God of the universe. The one that they were supposed to be committed to,
1: what are they doing? Going after other gods. Literally prostituting themselves out. Uh, These political
0: alliances, if you will, okay? In fact, we see it very, very clearly as we we walk through this. We saw this in the book of Hosea as well, this this, uh, illustration of what it is like to seek after idols or another god. What am I saying to God? I no longer want to be intimate with you. I no longer want you as my god. I want another god. And of course, the nation of Israel, they were considered married to God, just as the church is married to God too. Whenever I I seek out anything else other than God, what am I saying to my relationship with God? I'd rather be married to something else. I'd rather commit my time to something else. I'd rather be intimate with something else other than you, God. Look at how he describes it there. Verse 12, As for the man who does this, may Yahweh cut off from the tents of Jacob everyone who awakes, And answers or presents an offering to Yahweh of hosts. What's going to happen to? And and we we see this when they come back to the land of Israel after the exile. Again, no more kings until Messiah come. No more king. No more line from the tribe of, of Judah through David himself. Until Messiah comes again. Look at how it describes it there in verse 13, and this is the second thing you do. You cover the altar of Yahweh with tears, with weeping, with groaning, because he no longer regards the offering and receives it as acceptable from your hand. But you say, uh, for what reason? Because Yahweh has been a witness between you and the wife of your youth against whom you have dealt treacherously, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Not only have they dealt treacherously with the God of the universe, that intimacy that we have with God, but also with the human being that we're supposed to be the most intimate with, our own spouses. And, and then they come to you know, the temple or the church, and, and they say, oh, you know, all this crying and all these things, and in their heart, what are they going to do when they get home?
1: They're going to despise their wife. They're going to despise their spouse.
0: They're going to treat her with disrespect.
1: Does God see our heart, by the way?
0: This is why it is so important when we understand the very being of who God is. He created these, this intimacy that we have with those that are closest to us. And the example is us with God first, and then it's those
1: that we have in our lives. Look at how he describes it there in verse 15. But not
0: one has done so, even one who has a remnant of the spirit. And what did that one do while he was seeking a godly seed? Be careful then to keep your spirit and let no one deal treacherously against the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce. Says Yahweh, the God of Israel. Is there any mincing of words? Is there
1: any doubt what God hates? Is there? No. Now, we understand there was always,
0: you know, uh, provisions for divorce in certain cases, you know, and, and Jesus describes it as, you know, because of the hardness of your heart. Moses gave you a you know these certain provisions. one of them of course was infidelity in a, in a marriage relationship. They were allowed to uh, get a divorce if there was a uh, physical abuse there were there was provisions for a divorce but what they're doing here is if you don't cook me the perfect meal or you don't do this for me, you don't do this certain thing treat me in a certain way. I'm gonna divorce you that that threat of divorce, over their spouse because they had the power in the relationship this is what god is describing it as i hate it and and how does he describe it not only that i hate divorce but what does it say in the rest of that verse verse 16 uh, says yahweh the god of israel and him who covers his garment with wrong says yahweh of hosts be careful then to keep your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Because how are they treating the person that they're supposed to be the most intimate with with treachery? Despising the vow that they made at the beginning of the relationship, right? And, and again, the, the the example is, of course, us with God, right? You know, the Israelites with God, the the church with Jesus Christ, that example of what it means to be married to someone else. Uh, Jesus Christ being the the groom and and the church being the bride in heaven itself. Next week we'll have communion and we'll see this in heaven itself where, where we have the marriage feast of the Lamb, what it is truly like to be married to God. And that joy and that that love, that, that intimacy that we should feel, and, and you know, yes, you know, marriages here on earth, they're you know, they're they're hard, they're very difficult because it's two two human beings that are both sinful, and they're coming together. But are we supposed to be examples in
1: this world of what it is like to be married? Does God give us forgiveness and grace and mercy? When they're saying, I'm going to divorce you, it's
0: treating the marriage vow with treachery. I'm going to backpedal on my vow. I'm going to change my mind, if you will. Verse 17. I, I love the, you know, the, the whole book of, of Malachi is, is so amazing. You, you, you really have to read the whole thing. And, and, and it's only four chapters. So, I mean, it's fairly easy to read in one sitting. But you really see it when you you read everything in context, because now what does God say to them?
1: You've wearied Yahweh with your word. You're boring. You're tiresome. You're weary. That's what he's
0: saying, right? With with all your, you know, problems and all the things that you bring before me and and, and all these things that you do that are just wearisome. I, I don't know if you ever, you know, tried to put yourself in, in God's shoes. We do it in certain, you know, instances, whether, it's, you know, I wouldn't have done it that way or I wouldn't have created that or I wouldn't have, you know, set things in motion that way. But, but in terms of understanding how God sees our worship of him, our devotion to him, our, our, our times with him, our, our, you know, studies of the word of God, or our devotions, or our quiet times or, or whatever we call our fellowship, our, our times that we come to church.
1: Does God see the dissension? Does God see the hypocrisy? Does God see our agendas rather than
0: us wanting God's agenda? How have we wearied him? In that you say, everyone who does evil is good in the sight of Yahweh, and he delights in them. What are they saying? I mean, this is blasphemous. I I can do whatever I want. God has to accept me. I, I can do whatever I want. God has to love me. I can do whatever I want
1: in the temple or the church. And God has to accept it. No, he doesn't. No, he does not. War. where
0: is the God of justice? And this is, by the way, the very crux of the matter. Where, where is the justice of God? Because I don't see him striking me dead right now, so I must be fine. Right? No, that's God's grace waiting for us to repent, waiting for us to change our ways, waiting for us to ask him to come into our lives and repent of our sin. Instead, we we say, well, you know, I did this thing, or I have this sin in my life, and I, I keep doing it over and over again, and God's
1: not judging me for it, so it's okay, right? What does that mean? Where is the God of justice? Why isn't God involved now? Where is God?
0: He answers that, by the way, in chapter 3. And again, remember, this is the last
1: book of the Old Testament. Who's coming now in Matthew chapter 1? Messiah. The one who's going to address all these things, by the way. The, The one who's going to come
0: as the very Emmanuel God with us to the earth. Look at what it says there, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I'm going to send my messenger. He will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says Yahweh of hosts. By the way, this proves the deity of Jesus Christ because who is coming? Who's the one that's speaking? This is Yahweh. This is the God of the entire universe. This is Yahweh of hosts. And who is coming? He says this word, me. I'm coming. The the one who is God incarnate is coming to the earth. And there's going to be one who's going to prepare the way for him. My messenger, the very definition of the name of Malachi, by the way. Again, that segue, if you will. Look at what it says there in Matthew chapter 11, uh, verses 10 through 11. We see this very verse quoted here. Uh, this is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. Uh, the, the, the pronouns are changed because it's a conversation that God is having with his son. Not only do we see the deity of Jesus Christ, in Malachi, but we also see the relationship between God the Father and God the Son in Matthew. Again, quoting these verses from the Old Testament to prove who the Messiah is, who who Jesus Christ is. Look at what it says there, verse 11, chapter 1 of Matthew, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, uh, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. The one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater uh, than he. This is Jesus Christ addressing his divinity, quoting from Malachi chapter 3. It continues on there. And, and, you know, as we we go through this, we're uh, we're just barely going to be able to touch on some of these very, very important subjects, if you will. Uh, First of all, you know, the deity of Jesus Christ, how important that is but how it's always important to understand our relationship with the God of the entire universe. Look at what it says there in verse 2. Because remember their attitude in, in, in chapter 2. Their they're chapter 2, they, they have this treacherous heart. They're, they're, they're treating their relationship with God as if they, they're wearisome, as if it's tiresome. And then here in chapter 3, verse 2, it says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears?
1: Where he is like a smelter's fire and like Fuller's soap. You see, you can either say,
0: Maranatha, come quickly, Lord Jesus, or say, no, wait, I have my own agenda. Right? Now, God's going to come no matter what. We don't control that. But our attitude toward his return
1: is very important. Because it determines our heart. It determines our relationship with God. It's that
0: desire on our parts. Do I want to see God? Or do I not want to see God? Because we're holding on to earthly things. We're holding on to sin. We're holding on to these habits that we have. Knowing that when God comes, what will he do? Judge. In fact, this is what he says. There in the rest of that verse, a smelter's fire or like Fuller's uh, soap, that, that furnace that would purify that precious metal or the Fuller's soap, which is, you know, the, the, this caustic uh, uh, soap that would literally be able to tan hides or clean the hardest of things to clean. That this, you know, high alkaline uh, uh, um, soap that would be used. Look at what it describes it there in verse 3. And he will sit as a smelter, a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi, refine them like gold and silver so that they may present to Yahweh offerings in righteousness. What, what does it take for something that has impurities in it to become worth something, whether it's gold or silver or various precious metals? It has to be purified. And is it an easy process to purify? No. It takes heat. It takes refinement. It takes all that dross that would rise to the surface and would have to be removed, and then the dross would come up to the surface and then removed again. A multi-step process. It's the same thing in our own lives. Is there a refining fire that we need as well. Thank God we have the word of God. Thank God we have the Holy Spirit. Look at what it says there in verse 4. By the way, again, this is to the priests, okay? He's gonna refine the priests. He's gonna refine the, the the ones who are the religious leaders. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to Yahweh, as in the ancient days and as in former years. By by the way if you notice we'll, we'll we'll talk about this more when we get to the new testament but but it's interesting how Jesus approaches uh the common people or sinners versus how he approaches the priests and Pharisees and Levites and Sadducees. G- Cuz you know he he reaches out with care and compassion to those that are in needy. He, he reaches out with com- care and compassion to the sinners. He reaches out with care and compassion to those that are, you know, uh, vulnerable, if you will, and how does he approach the Pharisees and the Sadducees? Just as John the Baptist did,
1: you're a bunch of a whitewashed tomb. Who who told you to come? Who told you
0: that that you know um, judgment, if you will, just predicted in
1: Malachi? By the way, the refinement. That judgment. That discipline.
0: Verse 5, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will be swift witness against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against those who swear falsely, and against those who oppress the wage earner in his wages, the widow and the orphan, and those who turn aside the sojourner. And do not fear me, says Yahweh of hosts, for I, Yahweh, do not shame therefore you O sons of Jacob are not consumed do do you understand the the mutability of God that this idea that he he, he's always been always will be it's the definition of his name by the way I am who I am right it's not I was who I was or or I will be who I will be I am who I am uh, horrible grammar perfect theology right the I am is the one who sent me. He, he is always the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? He does not change. It's easy for us to say, well, the, the God of the Old Testament is different from the God of the New Testament, or at least that's how we we perceive it sometimes. No, he's not. He, he's the same. And that, that's why I, I love that you guys have been on this journey as we've been going through the the old testament, you know, the 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 privilege of being able to see not only how God reaches out to the nation of Israel, but even to the world, even in the Old Testament, how there's grace even in the Old Testament, right? Is God the same? Yesterday, today, and forever, I am who I am, Yahweh, the very name of God. Every time we see it, it is His attribute of unchangeableness. My very definition of who he is. Verse 7, from the days of your fathers, you have turned aside from my statutes and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. It says, Yahweh of hosts, but you say, how shall we return? Do we change? Do we change? Oh, yes, we're good at it, right? Do, do we change our minds? Do we, we change our positions? Do we, do we change our whatever attitudes or those things in our lives that we think need to
1: emulate the world rather than God. Do we change? Yes, we do. Now, hopefully we're, we're growing, and that's
0: different than what we're talking about here. Hopefully we're growing in likeness to God. Hopefully we're growing in our likeness to Christ. Look at what it says there in verse 8. Uh, Will a man rob God? Yet you are robbing me, but you say, how have we robbed you? One of those topics. Uh, you're probably so glad there's only six minutes left. By the way, because you're going to have to, you know, come back next week to hear the rest of it. Uh, this is one of those topics that, along with like submission or or tithing, this is one of those things that, uh, uh, you know, especially if the church is 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 wanting the people to grow. This topic that touches. Those things in our lives that we
1: protect—tithe, money, time—and and, and I, I understand that there's certain
0: you know churches that abuse this. There, there are certain you know, and and whether it's on TV or or certain things that take place, even even certain churches in town where they they abuse this topic, where they actually. Will ask for your W-2. Well, where they'll ask for your uh, pay stub, or because they want to make sure you're actually tithing. We don't do that in this church. We we don't even take a tithe on Wednesday nights. We're you know on Wednesday nights it's 100% volunteer. Those guys in the back, they they don't get paid a single dime. In fact, they give a lot. By the way, they they give so much. You know the 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 worship teams. They're they're all volunteer. Everyone up here volunteer. And so for me to, you know, teach about tithing, there's no incentive for me to do it.
1: Really, there's not. Unless we go to the Word of God. Because when the topic comes up, I have to address it. Right? Now, you know, this is the very first
0: time I've ever talked about tithing, ever. This is one of those topics that unless it actually comes up, in the scriptures, you know, it's not addressed. I, I, you know, I've been in this church since 2007. And, and like I told you guys last week, I, I probably heard Pastor Mike Ostheimer teach on tithing maybe two times, if that. You know, it's one, it's one of those subjects that we trust the people to read the scriptures to be uh, convicted by the Holy Spirit rather than a person wanting your money.
1: Because will God provide? Yes, he will. We know that. But will you be missing out on a blessing if you don't?
0: And this is what Malachi brings out. It's not for me. This is for you. Uh, You know, I I don't get a single penny of your tithe. Okay, I I don't get it. But you get blessings by tithing. Look at what it says there. We'll end here. We'll, We'll go into a lot more detail next week but look what the blessings are in fact this is one of the only times in the entire scriptures where god says test me in this test me in this the 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 thing that you're holding on to so tightly test me in this and see if i don't bless your socks off he uses a much better term than that by the way Will a man rob God, yet you are robbing me, but you say, How how have we robbed you in tithes and contributions? You are you are cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. There may be food in my house, and test me now in this, says Yahweh of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and empty out for you a blessing until it is beyond enough. Underline those two words. Highlight those two words. Because why, what's the very root reason
1: why we don't tithe? i going to have enough, God. I, I, I don't trust you enough to give a tithe. What does God say? I'll give you what? Yawned enough. Yawned enough. Isn't that amazing? We'll end it here. And I will rebuke the devourer
0: for you so that it will not corrupt the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field fail to bear says yahweh of hosts so all the nations will call you blessed for you shall be a delightful land says yahweh of hosts trust me in this artist of things to give away now we're going to be talking about this next week I, i i really um Appreciate the the privilege of being able to address the subject, and again, we we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter. When it comes up, we we talk about it. But but look ahead to First Corinthians chapter nine, verses nine through sixteen for next week. Okay, we're going to be talking about this because the New Testament also addresses this the same subject. Because this is one of those things where uh, it it really comes down to uh, our, our trust in the Lord. Our faith in the Lord, which of these things do I actually, or what actually matters in my life? Am I willing to trust God with my pocketbook or my wallet or
1: my purse or my finance? But even harder than that, will God keep his promises? Because it comes down to trust, trusting God will god keep this promise it's it's easy to say that now until you know times
0: get hard now we'll talk about the word tithe we'll talk about what this actually means okay uh oh hopefully you know we can um uh, dispel some myths if you will uh some some misassumptions if you will in terms of uh, these words here uh look ahead to first corinthians chapter 9 uh verses 9 through 16 we we are going to be finishing the old testament next week wow i mean wow it's been a long time getting there and, and by the way you're going to wish we hadn't finished i i know it's been hard going through the old testament but but we're going to be going to you know the new testament right and again it's one of those subjects where you get to the new testament especially the book of matthew and you wish you knew the old testament because matthew quotes the old testament so much right and that's the privilege that we've had we've been able to go through the 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 old testament and now when we see the old testament quoted in the new testament i remember that i i remember that you know i remember that verse we can look it up and, and grow uh, together. So I look forward to going over this very, very tough subject uh, next week. I appreciate your your patience. I, I appreciate you being here. I appreciate your your faithfulness to uh, the Lord. Thank you for coming tonight. Dear Father, I thank you so much for the privilege that we have to come before you. Your word that is relevant today, that, that is so important for today's life these hard subjects that we address and and go through lord and we're all in the same boat and those that are sitting in the chairs and those that are, are that are up your standing we're all we're all in that same conviction lord so lord as we meditate upon these things this week that we would be be changed different than when we came in tonight that we would examine our, our hearts with you. Do, do I really trust God with those things that are the most intimate in my life? Do, do I trust God with my human relationships, my marriage, my friends, my, my, my family? Do I, do I trust God with, with those things that, you know, he's given to me, finances, money, time, all, all these things that we see in your scriptures,
1: Lord? Or do I want to hold on to them so tightly and miss out on your blessing?
0: And so, Lord, I, I ask that you would soften our hearts this week, that you would help us to meditate upon these things, that when we come back next week, that we would really have hearts to receive, Lord. That you would, whether it's those that are online or, or those that may watch in the future, that you would speak volumes to our hearts, Lord. Lord, I, I thank you so much for what you're doing in this church, how you're using us for your glory, how you're using the leadership of this church, how, you, how you're using the, the people that come to this church. Lord, I ask that you would just glorify your name and what we do, Lord. We'd be your examples to this dying world. We would be light and salt in a world that needs to hear. So Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for being here tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming tonight.